This is the Latter-day Strength Podcast, where we turn our weak faith into strength, the kind of strength that allows us to behold miracles, have amazing spiritual experiences, and have encounters with angels and with the other side of the veil. I am Steve Baer, and if you are tuning into this episode, I encourage you to start at episode one and work your way forward. We are building on some fundamental concepts that we lay out, that I lay out from episode one on. But when we left off in episode 5, Mormon, who is the author of Moroni chapter 7, was saying that he judges better things of us, believing that we can be meek and have the kind of faith that produces the kind of miracles he and his son Moroni have recounted among the final chapters and books of the Book of Mormon, when his people were almost in complete apostasy. And isn't that fascinating, that Mormon would write with more hope to the peaceable followers of Christ in those days, even though in some period of time, those peaceable followers and eventually the entire Nephite people would be swept off the land. What what an optimistic guy. (laughs) But since the Book of Mormon was written for our day, we are the ones that get to capitalize on this promise. So let's go to verse 40, and we're in Moroni chapter 7, and we're going to talk about hope. We won't even get into charity today. Okay, verse 40. My beloved brethren, I would speak unto you concerning hope. How is it that ye can attain unto faith, save ye shall have hope? So here's how I view it. Faith in Christ leads us to have hope for a few things. One, redemption and eternal life. Two, great and marvelous things. Hope for the manifestations, the miracles, the ministration of angels, and even beholding the Lord. And then three, hope for specific things in our life we would like to obtain. The next verse seems to cover items one and three. This is verse 41. What is it that ye shall hope for? Behold, I say unto you that ye shall have hope through the atonement of Christ and the power of his resurrection to be raised unto life eternal, and this because of your faith in him according to the promise. So there's hope to be raised unto life eternal because of your faith in Christ. And then that phrase, according to the promise. So what does according to the promise refer to? It's, it's actually not even footnoted in the scriptures. But a quick dictionary search shows that the phrase according to means in conformity with or depending on or as stated by. So let's rephrase that, that sentence a little bit. Because of your faith in him, depending on the promise. So again, we ask the question, what's the promise? Now, here's my hypothesis, which you may not agree with, but big promises of eternal life or being part of covenant Israel or going to the celestial kingdom are not particularly motivating in the short term. Temporal blessings often press on our minds and hearts in the here and now. In the olden days of middle-aged Christianity, hope for a better world was what people had to go on because their day-to-day life was such drudgery filled with short lifespans, illness, cold, hunger, poverty, war, death, and oppression. And with very little social mobility to climb the ladder of progress, they could only hope for eternal life after their suffering was over with on earth. You know, the great, big, beautiful tomorrow (laughs) tomorrow that Walt Disney's uh, Carousel of Progress sings about only referred to the tomorrow land after their death. 
in the old world. However, our modern world has created social mobility and abundance, travel, education, you know, fulfilling careers, entertainment, and all the things to compete with the long-term goal of eternal life. So what I'm getting at is that people care far more about their happiness today than their happiness after they die. And I think that plays out for both the wicked and the righteous. I believe most people pray for the cares and concerns of today and not for the promise of eternal life later. Now, when the scripture says that we can hope to be raised unto life eternal according to the promise, I wonder if we can say, well, what's the promise today? In other words, what is it that God has personally promised you that you hope for? And I'm not talking about institutional promises or generic covenant people promises. I'm talking about the thing that you hope for today, now, tomorrow, and in the near future. So returning back to Ether 12, the word promise is noted a few times. So in verse 16, Yea, even all they who wrought miracles wrought them by faith, even those who were before Christ and also those who were after In 17, it was by faith that the three disciples obtained a promise that they should not taste of death, and they obtained not the promise until after their faith. So the three disciples obtained a promise that they should not taste of death, which they obtained after their faith. They obtained that promise in their mortal life, in their present day. Let's look at verse 21 of Ether 12. After the brother of Jared had beheld the finger of the Lord, because of the promise which the brother of Jared had obtained by faith, the Lord could not withhold anything from his sight, wherefore he showed him all things, for he could no longer be kept without the veil, or outside of the veil. The brother of Jared beheld the finger of the Lord because of the promise which the brother of Jared had obtained by faith. The Lord could not withhold anything from his sight, nor keep him from being inside the veil with him in his present day, not in the brother of Jared's eternal life, if you get my drift. So then verse 22 of Ether 12, it is by faith that my fathers have obtained the promise that these things should come unto their brethren through the Gentiles. Therefore the Lord hath commanded me, yea, even Jesus Christ. So the Nephite writers obtained a promise that their words would come unto their brethren, the descendants of the Lamanites, through the Gentiles, and and that promise was one that was made to them in their mortal lives. So imagine if we studied the Book of Mormon searching for promises that the Lord made to each person. That would be quite a study, but to what end? What would be the purpose of searching for those promises? We would discover that people were given individual promises. So the promise given to the three Nephites to never taste of death is not a promise God gives to you and I universally. Though I think Moroni was encouraging us to aspire to such promises and to that level of faith. The promise given to the brother of Jared is also not universal. It was given according to his faith. So as we start at the beginning of the Book of Mormon, what were the promises? I did a search for the word promise just in the first few chapters of 1 Nephi, and here's what I came up with. 
So 1 Nephi 2.20, And inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper and shall be led to a land of promise, yea, even a land which I have prepared for you, a land which is choice above all other lands. So the promise was, ye shall prosper, ye shall be led to a land of promise, to be led to a land I have prepared for you, and, and it sounds very much like these are all individual promises given unto Nephi and to his family. And these are reiterated again in chapter 4 in verse 14. When I, Nephi, had heard these words, I remembered the words of the Lord, which he spake unto me in the wilderness, probably verse two, chapter 2, verse 20. Inasmuch as thy seed shall keep my commandments, they shall pr- prosper in the land of promise. And then Lehi declares his own promise in 1 Nephi 5, verses 4 and 5, while talking to Sariah, who is doubting said promise. It came to pass that my father spake unto her, saying, I know that I am a visionary man, for if I had not seen the things of God in a vision, I should not have known the goodness of God, but had tarried, I would have tarried at Jerusalem and would have perished with my brethren. But behold, I have obtained a land of promise in the which things I do rejoice. And I know that the Lord will deliver my sons out of the hands of Laban and bring them down again unto us in the wilderness. So Lehi is basically declaring to Sariah that he was given three promises by the Lord, that they won't perish, that they will be led to a land of promise, and number three, that his sons will be delivered from the hands of Laban. And then another promise in 1 Nephi 7.13. If it so be that we are faithful to him, this is Nephi talking, we shall obtain the land of promise, and ye shall know at some future period that the word of the Lord shall be fulfilled concerning the destruction of Jerusalem. For all things which the Lord hath spoken concerning the destruction of Jerusalem must be fulfilled. Are you seeing the pattern? We often see the Lord's promises in the scriptures as directed towards a group. And while that is true, we get to remember that the Lord's promises are also individual. Lehi says, I have obtained a land of promise. That's what he was hoping for. He was hoping for a fulfillment of the Lord's promise to deliver his family from destruction, to take them through the wilderness and guide them to a promised land. Nephi reiterated the command that if we are faithful to him, we shall obtain the land of promise and we shall know that the word of the Lord has been fulfilled. So this whole study led me to ask my wife recently, Jenny, what is the promise that God has given you specifically? Her first answer was, I don't know. And I was actually shocked by that answer because I consider my wife to be one of the most in-tune people that I know. But she had not consciously discovered or considered what her promise was from the Lord that she could hope for. A few days later, she came to me and said, I know what the promise is, but it's still a bit jumbled in my mind, and I don't have the words to describe it. Now, I know what my promise is. The thing that is on my heart is to be led by the Lord in order to provide for my family in a way that honors my desire to live my own unique life mission and in my own unique zone of genius. 
The promise I have received is I will lead you. I will show you how to do it. And as a result, I'm not worried about money nor security. I'm mostly worried about whether I'm actually taking inspired action today. So isn't that interesting? The thing that I hope for is the thing that prompts me to take faith-based inspired action today. So from my hope springs my faith and springs the action items. So as we return to Moroni 7 and finish the section on hope, we're going to cover just three more verses. Verse 42, Wherefore, if a man have faith, he must needs have hope, for without faith there cannot be any hope. In other words, the individual promises you long for spring from your faith in Christ. The fact that you have faith in Christ gives you reason to hope. Now, I'm just here to tell you that your hope can be for very specific things, which you can obtain, which you can obtain via a promise from the Lord. Verses 43 and 44. Again, I say unto you that ye cannot have faith and hope, save ye shall be meek and lowly in heart. If so, or in other words, if you are not meek and lowly of heart, your faith and hope is vain. For none is acceptable before God, save the meek and lowly in heart. And if a man be meek and lowly in heart and confesses by the power of the Holy Ghost that Jesus is the Christ, he must have charity. For if he have not charity, he is nothing. Wherefore, he must needs have charity. To me, the key is given in Moroni 7.43. We cannot even have faith nor hope unless we are meek and lowly of heart. We must be humble and have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Now, the main theme of this podcast is Ether 12.27, where Moroni says that if we humble ourselves before him, God, I mean, and have faith in Christ, he will make our weak faith strong. In the next episode, we will explore charity. But before I do, let me sum everything up that we've covered so far. One, the Lord desires to take our weak faith and make it strong. Not just so that we believe harder, but that we see. He reminds us that faith creates miracles, that it creates great and marvelous things. When you consider all the sermons on faith found in the Book of Mormon, these sermons from Ether 12 and Moroni 7 are directed toward a certain group of people, the peaceable followers of Christ. You will see that Alma 32, which is the sermon given by Alma to the humble Zoramites, was directed to people who had not much, who had no or very little experience with faith. At that time, he compared faith to a seed. Moroni and Mormon are speaking to people whose faith is bigger than that of a seed. He's speaking to you and I. We've had special moments with the Lord. We've received special blessings. However, we can take it to the next level. These messages are geared towards showing us that our faith is just a small bush, but that it can grow into the marvelous metaphorical tree of life. We can experience our own great and marvelous things. And when we have faith that this is possible, we can have hope for specific promises that the Lord has given us just a glimpse of. So what is it 
that ye hope for? What is your promise from God that he is willing to give you, which is simply contingent on you strengthening your faith in Jesus Christ? And one more thought to add before we end. So you look up prayer in the Bible dictionary and scroll down a few paragraphs. As soon as we learn the true relationship in which we stand toward God, namely that God is our Father and we are His children, then at once prayer becomes natural and instinctive on our part. Many of the so-called difficulties about prayer arise from forgetting this relationship. Prayer is the act by which the will of the Father and the will of the child are brought into correspondence with each other. The object of prayer is not to change the will of God, but to secure for ourselves and for others blessings that God is already willing to grant, but that are made conditional on our asking for them. Blessings require some work or effort on our part before we can obtain them. Prayer is a form of work and is an appointed means for obtaining the highest of all blessings. So the object of prayer is not to change the will of God, but to secure for ourselves and for others blessings that God is already willing to grant. So what is the promise? What is the promise that God is already willing to grant you? What is the thing that you hope for? Strengthen your faith in Christ. Take the inspired action associated with that hope and watch the miracles happen. That is my belief. That is my testimony, which I share in my weakness. Amen. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong. 